Welcome back to the Greatest Movie of All Time podcast. I'm Tom Duncan. And I'm Dana Duncan. And uh, in a pre-recorded episode, um, we are discussing uh, the 1952 Best Picture winner, The Greatest Show on Earth, uh, Cecil B. DeMille's um, Circus Picture. So we are recording this one a little bit in advance um, for, uh, you know, backlog episodes. And uh, if we end up taking vacations, we don't want to deprive listeners of their weekly following. Um, But uh, so we will try not to do anything of the moment, Um, try not to spoil ourselves in that particular regard. But um, to uh, go over this film, uh, I only saw this for the first time over the weekend um, as uh, part of my uh, quest to watch every Best Picture winner of all time. I've got 76 down out of 92 so far, um, and all but one film uh, since 1970. Um, this one, obviously, is from 1952. But uh, you had the much stronger um, connection, if you will, to this film. So what is your um, connection? I watched this film on network TV. It used to be in the uh, 60s and early 70s. Uh, every network could not afford to put on always you know, nightly programming. So they would always have a movie night. So it would be the ABC Movie of the Week, NBC New Movie of the Week, CBS Movie of the Week. So I don't remember exactly when, but this movie was on. It was the summer. I must have been about five or six. The movie was on. I remember watching the movie, being absolutely uh, enthralled in the movie, and pretended that my swing set was a circus train for a couple of weeks afterwards and um, would do the whole thing of the movie and the crash and everything that was involved in the movie. So, I mean, it's easy to say that this was at least uh, something that um, stuck with you, um, was at least memorable, and that kind of spectacle of the whole thing kind of got to you at the time. It did, and in fact, though, I had forgotten a lot about it until uh, probably um, the mid-'90s, when I ran across a copy of the film on a DVR or a VCR tape, in VHS or, or VHS tape, excuse me, um, and happened to go, oh, I remember this film. I remember watching it as a child, and I can tell you where it was. It was in an old department store that was like one of the the predecessors. It was. There were several of these that were like Kmart, Walmart, etc. There was a uh, chain of department stores called Scott's. And there was a Scott's department store on the south end of Janesville, Wisconsin. And your mother and I were married. Um, may have been that you were with us. We took my mother there for some reason. And there was a bin and it had in there. And I remember just standing there. The two things I remember about that day was is this movie was there. And they were selling Blue Moon ice cream cones, which I hadn't seen in years. 
So uh, for the listening audience, if you want to watch this film, uh, it is available on CBS All Access, or at least that's how we watched it um, over the weekend, and uh, you can have a refresher over there. So let's delve right into this one. Um, very basic plot summary, because, I mean, frankly, there isn't a whole lot of plot for a two-and-a-half-hour movie, but uh, The Greatest Show on Earth is a dazzling spectacle of life behind the scenes with Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Circus, the best three-ring circus in the land, celebrates the extravagant three-ring circus and depicts the passionate scenes of love and jealousy behind the greatest show on earth. Uh, recognition, this was nominated for Best Director for Cecil B. DeMille. Um, costume design and film editing, it won for Best Picture and Best Story. Um, it is uh, the last Best Picture winner to win... Um, less than three Oscars while also winning um, Best Picture uh, with the lone exception being Spotlight, which only won two. Huh. Okay. So, which, it, you know, I guess I understand, but uh, I still think they got it right by that particular film. So uh, that being the case, um, what is this movie about? Well, this movie is about don't overthink Celeb it. Celebrating the circus. Yeah, it's a spectacle advertisement for the circus. Um, it's DeMille creating an over-extravagant um, show that required more editing than it got. Well, okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, this might be one of the shorter episodes um, as a result of that. but And I don't think there's anything particularly bad about this movie. It's just like... It's kind of boring. <laughs> I mean, yeah, okay. Yes, uh, as a five- or six-year-old boy, this movie was wonderful. As a 56-year-old man, well... It leaves a lot on the table. I, I, I spent a lot of time reading articles on my uh, in the New York Times on my phone. <laughs> yeah, that's what you want to tell the listening audience. <laughs> All right. Uh, best performance. I had Betty Hutton, um, who uh, uh, plays the central female figure um, of the film. Um, she just had the most to do. She was the most bubbly personality. Um, like in a movie where um, you aren't like getting huge amounts of roles or lines or like pure acting. Um, if I have to select somebody, it's probably her. I mean, you could argue it's DeMille, but uh, frankly, I don't even think DeMille would want to be remembered for this being, um, like his lone best picture winner. Um, the argument is, is that, uh, this was his second to last film. His last film, um, controversially, um, could have been in a much better, uh, position to win uh, best picture a few years later, the 10 commandments. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I, I'll give it to her as kind of a default. Well, yes, because if, uh, having been, I mean, if you talk to the average person now, nobody knows who the hell, um, Betty Hutton, Betty is. Hutton is. Okay. Well, and the, I know because I am, you know. A nerd and grew an up old with, soul. Yes, I'm an old soul. I'm listening to old time radio when yes, I'm going to sleep. Yes, you watched the cetera. entire run of What's My Line from the 60s. 
from 50s. start 50s and 60s from yeah. start to finish from 51 to 1967 anyway and but, i've been that so yes i know who betty hutton is okay and realistically if you look back on this this is probably either her first or second um best role maybe her best role was uh annie get your gun but okay um otherwise this is probably her best role wow that's a statement um you know, I mean, this does feature two fairly big stars of notoriety, you know, James Stewart and Charlton Heston. But, like, I don't think either of them did a whole lot during this movie. Um, James Stewart, you could barely tell he was there because um, it was so off-putting to have him in clown makeup the whole time. They literally could have gotten just about anybody to do that part. And for whatever reason, it was James Stewart. It's such a bad use of James Stewart. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Charles Nested, like, I mean, he was there. He had some nice moments, but, like, I don't think they gave him a whole lot to do other than stand around in a leather jacket and uh, a hat. Well, yes, and be cry cranky. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. And constantly worrying about the sawdust for whatever stupid <laughs> reason. Um all right, so best minor performance. Uh, I gave it to Cornell Wilde, who played Sebastian. Okay. Um, and frankly, I think those were the two roles that were given. So Betty Hutton and Cornell Wilde like, were given clearly the most to do of anybody in this film, the two trapeze artists. Um, you know, if it, we're going to get to some of the best scenes and like, Boy, I had struggled to try and find best scenes in this movie, but um, there are six scenes, not best scenes. Six. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, but uh, I also gave him my most charismatic award. But uh, who did you want to put down? James Stewart. So okay, for best minor performance or more most charismatic, both. Okay. Although I will give an honorable mention to one of the one, the person who is the most indelible person in this film for me that carried with me for 20 some years, Emmett Kelly, <clears throat> who was an actual clown for Barnum and Bailey Circus. He is probably the most noted clown. And I remember Emmett Kelly being on uh red skelton's tv show oh in the 70s God, yeah. when i was a child and because red skelton would also play a clown and so they the two of them became friends and they played off each other i i wish you could all see my eye rolls as like he goes through these but these are like just a small smidgen of a window into the normal conversations I have where he'll take a 20 minute aside to try and describe something I had generally no interest in knowing. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I grew up in the sixties, seventies and early eighties. And there's certain aspects quite frankly, as a child, and I'll admit this when other kids on, you know, when I'm like 12 years old, and other kids are watching like these stupid cartoons that I thought were stupid on uh, on pub. Uh, How many on, times can you say stupid? Well, uh, I can say <laughs> stupid, stupid, stupid. But um, anyway, uh, 
they were on network TV, public TV would show old time TV shows from the 50s. And so on Saturdays, I would watch Jack Benny, Burns and Allen, uh, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, The Twilight Zone, um, The Outer Limits. Um, it's no wonder that you love thumbing your nose at popular convention. Yeah, I know. I uh, Realistically, if I would have been able to pick a time where I was born, it would have probably been um, in the 1920s so that I was an adult during the 40s because I have so much connection with, with the movies of that era and the television and the radio shows of the late 40s and such. I, I probably should have been my grandfather. All right. So um, as we preempted, uh, best scene. I have a few. <laughs> I, I have a few to okay. try and nominate. Um, the first trapeze show. I mean, if, if any of the scenes that's the most spectacle where they're trying to like one up each other and they're going back and forth, um, it's probably the, the one that um, is the one where you actually like go wow a bit. You know, somebody actually performing that level of stunt and um, the amount that they took in order to pull those off. Obviously, I don't think um, uh, Cornell Wilde or Betty Hutt was actually doing those things. It's it's somebody else. But that being said, um, you know, just to to be able to put that in a movie, you'd still uh, outstanding. So great stunt work, at least on that one. The double double somersault with no net, um, where uh, spoiler alert. Uh, Sebastian ends up hurting himself um, is kind of an interesting scene and it's probably one of the more dramatic scenes of the whole thing if you know you have that uh, as far as it goes um, Klaus tries to kill Angel by um, getting the uh, elephant to squish her um, again it's just one of those where you you up the stakes at least a little bit and it's one of the few that actually drives the plot of this movie of which there is not much um the train crash, which um, I think you've kind of already alluded to, but um, I, I will get to the famous person anecdote uh, here in a second about that particular scene. Um, Buttons and Sebastian saving Brad at the end. Those are the like five scenes I have. Yes. Do you uh, want to add anything else? Well, the scene where Sebastian is discovered as being crippled. Okay, yeah, I can buy that. Um, other than that, not a lot. So, which of these would you say is the best scene, however? Uh, the train crash. Yeah, I, I'm going to give it to that. Uh, I will say my, if you could call it favorite, but uh, favorite scene was at least watching the first trapeze show because... Um, I think, like I said, it was the one that actually made me like uh, give some appreciation to what the actors were doing. But um, also the most indelible moment is the train crash. And um, for what it's worth, you were not the only little boy that was inspired by that particular scene. Um, notably, there have been two different homages by Steven Spielberg himself in two of his later movies. Um, in War of the Worlds, this is the movie that's on TV when um, 
they go into the house or something else and like the the aliens start invading. The other one was and he specifically says that it's an homage, but there's a train crash um, in uh, Super 8, which is a movie he did in 2011, uh, which, um, you know, he, he credits the train crash scene with um, something that um, he thought the spectacle was huge and um, enjoyed the idea of being able to create that and inspired him in some way of uh, trying to become a director. So if nothing else that this film potentially inspired the potentially greatest director of all time, I'll take it. All right. Well, actually, you know that the train crash scene was inspired by an actual crash of a circus train that occurred in Wisconsin. Really? Yes. Um, if you're driving on I-90, I-94, they or they they meet at uh, a city or small city in Wisconsin called Toma. And there's a railroad and there's a crossing or a joinder right there. Two trains came at the same time, hit the same track, for whatever reason, crashed. And a circus train was involved. And one of the elephants in the train was killed. And it made huge notoriety. They ended up burying the the carcass of the or the the body of the elephant near the train tracks. So it is a long time legend in Wisconsin that along the train tracks for what is what was originally the Milwaukee uh, road uh, train uh, throughway, which is now held by Canadian Pacific Railroad, uh, there is a burial site for a large uh, African elephant. Interesting. I would never have known that story. Well, that's probably a great spot to uh, do a quick break for one of our sponsors. All right, welcome back. Uh, we are going to go into best lines. Um, I came up with two. <laughs> I mean, this is not a dialogue-heavy movie. Uh, half of the movie, and I, I mean literally half the movie, it's more is than just... Half. Okay, so maybe it's an hour and a half of the hour or the two and a half hour movie. Maybe even more than that is just circus scenes. Um, so this isn't with, like... With DeMille doing the narration about how wonderful the circus is and what they're seeing. Yeah, uh, okay. But anyway, I came up with two. So I doubt you're going to be able to add a third one. Uh, we no. may have to just put these as the best line and honorable mention and leave it at that. Um, they're both kind of funny-esque, if you will, but like, who? Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, um, Angel, listen, sugar, the only way you can keep me warm is to wrap me up in a marriage license. <laughs> That's that's one of the better lines. I mean, you can barely find anywhere on the internet to like, oh, memorable lines from this movie. And there were whole places that were like, had nothing on them. Like, I think Rotten Tomatoes has zero quotes from this movie. <laughs> All right. 
Number two, and early on in the movie, Buttons and Holly. Clowns are funny people. They only love once. Holly, all men aren't that way, even if they act like clowns. Those are the two best lines from this movie. Yeah, okay. Uh, all right. So which one of the two is the better one? The first. Uh, yeah. All right. So then I'll nominate the other one for funniest, and we'll just do a no honorable mention. Again, uh, like, this isn't to cry this movie. If um, you feel like watching a circus movie, this is fine. I mean, there's nothing particularly wrong with it other than it's a two and a half hour movie that for the better part of it basically serves as a freaking infomercial for the, the circus, which you can't even go to anymore. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, I know. All right. Um, yeah. Um, all right. Let, let's just get into the final scoring. So, Legacy, what do you got? Four. You had a four? Yep. How the hell can you go that high? This is constantly found to be, like, one of the bottom five of Best Picture winners ever. This I, film is notable only in the fact that it beat out um, Singing in the Rain and The Quiet Man and um, what was the other one? Uh, oh, I'm drawing a blank now, but um, High Noon. Yes. So, like, I gave it a one. <laughs> okay. So that puts the average up at two and a half. <laughs> All right. Impact significance. Now, I gave this a little bit higher. It did win Best Picture at the time. It was a spectacle movie. It's done by a um, fairly famous and, like, Hall of Fame director. I gave it a six. I went five. And I'm a big fan of the movie. Oh, I'm <laughs> Can you be a big fan of this movie? Well, I was when I was five. <laughs> All right, novelty. I went six. There are very few, if any, circus movies. Um, there's certainly nothing like this. Um, All right, I'll go five. I was going to give it a four and a half, but I'll go five. Cause... But it's like it doesn't address any major... Well, other than there's like a euthanasia po or like through line on the James Stewart character, which yeah. doesn't really make a whole lot of sense other than to set up that last piece. Yeah, I just uh, remember always going, why are they taking buttons away? <laughs> yeah, so we can make children cry by doing a euthanasia plot line in 1952. Woo! Great yeah. time at the circus. Woo! Everybody runs away to the circus. Yeah. Okay. So, um, all right. Classicness. Um, I mean, I have to immediately downgrade this because the circus no longer exists. Yeah. Like, it just doesn't hold up from that factor for the average person. Um, you know, you've probably never been to a circus. Uh, mo it doesn't, like, even come in people's thinking. It's not, like, something particularly classic. I've at least been to one, 
and been to the circus museum, but that's because of where I'm from. Um, but I just gave it a five out of sheer necessity, but I, I find this to be middle of the road. All right. Um, I actually had a four. All right. And uh, I, I mean, <sighs> rewatchability two. like, you know, it's not that I couldn't rewatch this film. It's that I wouldn't rewatch this film because there's no reason to watch this film anymore. Unless you're somebody who is into the masochistic nature of um, watching every Best Picture winner like I am trying to. It's nostalgic, so I had a three. Okay. For me personally. Okay. And that's why I like waited to watch it with you, just for the that sheer factor. And like it does have um like a couple of star actors in it but good it, lord it, it's it, just like watching the film again was kind of like when you were a kid every like sixth grader when you were a little child like kindergarten or first grade every sixth grader seemed like such an old adult yeah you know this is what it is is when you're like you know what i remember is this film and what it was now that i watch it in retrospect i'm going yeah okay why did i like this the the only thing is is that I, this may end up being one of the lower films on our list now in just total score and i don't know if it deserves that because there's really nothing wrong with this and no. it, it would be an okay kids movie although they're certainly not going to get the euthanasia <laughs> through line or understand uh, the whole train crash at the end but like well, i can understand might. as they a might. kid why you might enjoy this there's a lot of bright colors there's a lot of action it would be like yeah. actually going to the circus which is why it's an infomercial for the circus yes. but um ultimately but then again you don't know because i mean this might be very much like the old joke Two first graders are walking to school. The other turns to want the first and says, guess what I found on the veranda? A condom. This other one turns and says, what's a veranda? Okay, thanks, Dad. <laughs> You've now just bumped up one of our shortest episodes of all time into an explicit. <laughs> just to tail end this. So, in review... Legacy, two and a half. Impact Significance, five and a half. Novelty, five and a half. Classicness, four and a half. Rewatchability, two and a half. And the audience score, by far our lowest so far, five and a half. For a total of 26. Woo! Uh, all right. I don't have any remaining questions on this movie. <laughs> I don't I mean, either. you could, like, I... I if, <laughs> If I have remaining questions, it's why would you put a euthanasia in the middle of this story and use your best actor in order to do it and then put him in cloud makeup through two and a half hours of a movie only to reveal him to be a killer doctor? Woo! Yay! Let's give this best picture. Yeah. Oh, uh, I... Uh... Well, I tell you. Uh, so uh, that's that. That's a, a good-hearted um, end 
to uh, our particular uh, episode. I wish we could talk longer, but I'm expecting a friend for dinner. So uh, have a great week, everybody. Um, Stay tuned for our next live episode.